Mock him just for a typo? No. I'm gonna moke him. I give you America itself. This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C. A dimly lit room deeper than the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound on a Wednesday. Today we're in the tutelage of our general manager. That meeting in the Oval Office, which has been the talk of the country, if you follow politics at all, for the last 24 hours. In which Donald Trump, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and starring in Weekend at Bernie's Vice President Pence over in the corner, um, uh, had a conversation... An argument about border security right there in front of cameras, which I thought was awesome. We aired some of it live yesterday, and man, I've loved taking in the coverage of it and the different opinions of uh, who got the upper hand and what it means and is it good for the country or not and all that sort of stuff. We'll play you clips throughout the morning. It was extraordinary. I wish we had way more of that. I was listening to a little uh, Parliament this morning from Great Britain. <laughs> and uh, they're the, the doing a no-confidence vote on Theresa May, which is what you, what, you, what you do if you want to throw out the prime minister and get a different one. And she's expected to win that no-confidence vote. But I was listening to them argue about Brexit and stuff like that. That thing that we had in the Oval Office yesterday, that's what all of their parliament yep. meetings are like. And... Well, I realize we're the most successful and oldest democracy in history, so you might think that we're doing it right and everybody else is doing it wrong. I like that. This is what I see the difference between us and Great Britain, and I would like to do it the way they do it. Our politicians say all this stuff on cable news channels and then act like they don't think that when they're together. Uh, in Great Britain, they say the things they say on cable, do we say on cable news channels to each other on camera. Yeah. And that's what kind of happened yesterday with uh, Trump and Pelosi and Schumer, and I like that. Don't just say it on cable news shows and then backtrack when uh, uh, you're in front of your uh, opponent. Let's just have it out. Anyway, we got clips of that throughout the morning. thought it was just absolutely fantastic. The Google hearing from yesterday that we've got to get into a little bit, some of the highlights, and other stuff. Here's what I got going for me, and this is why you should stay tuned in the entire morning. My youngest son stayed up the entire night, literally. I'm, and I'm using literally, literally. He stayed up the entire night. So uh, I, uh, I've i been up since uh, about 3-ish, 2.45 or whatever, which is uh, like three hours less sleep than I usually get. So there's a decent chance I'm going to say something career-ending today. And Joe's and, not here to stop you. And Joe's not here right. to stop oh, me. Oh, that's right. And I'm just going to allow it. And, yeah, I expect right. Sean and, and, and Marshall and Michael and Hanson to just poke me with Hanson. sticks to see if they can get me to say something. Hands off or a poke. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'd stick around for that because there's a decent chance. On a lack of sleep, you don't know what you might say. 
Um, let's introduce everybody in the squad. We'll start over there with our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? Good. You know, I also like that uncensored live debate, you know, the live political debate. I'd like to have a studio audience, maybe even like an applause sign or laugh track, you know. <laughs> Trump looks over the audience. What do you think of this policy? And mm. then people just start screaming and yelling, you know? Yeah. Um, again, it's, boy, such such an eye of the beholder thing. Because I was watching it, thought it was freaking awesome. I agree with Trump's position on immigration. So that, you know, that has me leaning his end of the direction. But, man, I saw a lot of headlines and coverage on the Trump hating media and how he got owned by Nancy Pelosi and how it was embarrassing his display of anger in front of cameras. And I thought it was awesome. There's Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing very well. Had a fun time uh, streaming. They are billions yesterday. Uh, some some dozens of, uh, of of faithful followers showed up to watch what uh, one chatter described as, oh, gaming with resting bitch face with Positive Sean. Apparently I had a bit of an, uh, an RBF when I was playing. So they can see your face? Yeah, yeah. Actually, here, I've got a, uh, a little... So when uh, somebody follows you... So are you setting up a webcam, or is this just the way all games work, where the camera's on your face? No, there's a, there's a webcam aspect here. I've got like a little... So there's there's the game, and then you can see me down in the corner oh, there, kind of overlaid on the game as I play. And apparently my try-harding concentration face came across as a little RBF-y. <laughs> um, so, um, and, and this is something people do. Like, there are, are there people that you follow that you like their gaming skills and you watch them oh, play yeah, video yeah. games? Oh, yeah, Some I follow because they're really good at the game and I learn how to play the games I like better. Some of them are just really entertaining and when they fail, they, you know, overreact and they're very uh, emotive. And, you know, some of them are just funny people. Yeah, I've never done that. It's completely outside of my uh, my, my, my world. But, uh, uh, but I'm, I'm posting a link to the stream yesterday, so if... There are those out there who wonder what Twitch is. You can go to the Positive Sean blog at armstrongandgetty.com and check out the stream from yesterday. Uh, the tube seemed to be a little uh, slow this morning, so give it a couple minutes. It'll it'll be up there. I'll tell you, my um, seven-year-old was over at a friend's house yesterday afternoon, and this friend of his had a video game set up, and it was his first introduction to anything like that. Uh-oh. Kind of was a little mind-blowing and a little he couldn't stop talking about it last night. So. Do you know the game they played? I do not. Okay. Um, I hope something child friendly. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. <laughs> There's Marshall Phillips who does our news every day. How are you, Marshall? I got to tell you, just like Jack can't stay away from donuts, I can't stop scratching. I was at my lucky spot getting gas, and once again, was the, it well lit, Marshall? It was well lit, okay. right. and once again, the tickets spoke to me. So I bought a handful. They're going to be at home marinating until next week. <laughs> wow. So you swore off gambling, but when you're at the gas station getting gas, you just you feel the pull, the lure of your gambling addiction. Well, as Sean pointed out, it was well lit. What <laughs> happens is the bright light bounces off the metallic faces of uh-huh. some of the cards, and I and they twinkle at me. And so I will go up and I'll point at the ones that I think are twinkling at me Damn. the most. Well, as somebody who's fascinated by, you know, addiction, or habits or whatever you want to call right. your gambling thing, um, it's it's just it's just interesting. I mean, I I don't have any of that. I've never had the slightest interest in gambling. Right, zero. Just right. like some people have no interest in drinking. I tried drinking once. It made me feel funny. I didn't like it. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I I can understand their point of view, but you know. Different things trip different people's brains. 
Well, I got to tell you, you know, it's not driving me into the poorhouse. I've been sure. doing very well on scratchers this year. Just so. like uh, moderate drinking is fine also. Sure, there you go. So anyway, <laughs> they're marinating. I'll wait till next week, and then I'll bring them in, and we'll see what we got. Have you switched gas stations? Because you used to go to a gas station where you were constantly approached by young ladies of the night. I yeah, I have moved on. Yeah, I, yeah, I moved on. Yeah, yeah. Young ladies of the night and, <laughs> and, and, and guys out in front sitting there drinking beer and can, you know paper yeah. bags. And you don't really bag. need prostitutes approaching you at one no. thirty in the morning no. when you're on your way to work. Right. I don't think. Night after night? <laughs> night after night. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. On this, it is How Did It Get to Be Already? Wednesday, December 12th, the year 2018. We're setting you straight in 21-8. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. We do need to officially begin the program according to FCC regulations at Mark. I also know that, you know, Nancy's in a situation where it's not easy for her to talk right now, and I understand that, and I fully understand that. We're going to have a good discussion, and we're going to see what happens. But we have to have border security. We've got a lot more of that throughout the morning. In fact, we'll let Marshall tell us what our other headlines are. We've got more fallout from what's being called the wall brawl. The wall brawl. I like that. The wall brawl. I like that. We got Cohen the Fixer getting sentenced today. Stormy Daniels loses a costly court case and a really cool trick to help you remember facts. Coming up, minutes from now, Armstrong and Giddy. How long was the wall brawl in total? Uh, 16 minutes, roughly. Is that all? Yeah. Boy, we could definitely air the whole thing throughout the morning again. So we saw most of it yesterday. We caught it right after it started. There's a lot of interesting stuff in there. And you can pick whichever is the more favorable to your side of the argument, I suppose. But Chuck Schumer threw a couple of, quote, flyover states under the bus during the conversation that I think are going to come back. That comment will come back to haunt him. Who cares about Indiana? That sort of thing. (laughs) Um, But we'll get into that. If you didn't hear it, it's, it's, it's not what you usually get out of our government. I wish we had more of it. A real conversation and what they really feel about things on both sides. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. in his news at the bottom of the hour, which was an extraordinary event in uh, U.S. politics, watching the, the leaders of a couple of parties actually hash it out in angry tones in front of cameras. It was pretty awesome, so we're going to highlight that throughout the morning. Joe is still not here. Hopefully he's going to join the show a little bit later. He had his hip replaced, one of his hips replaced on Monday. He's high on Oxycontin or whatever it is he's taking and sleeping, but he's going to get up and join the show in, in a little bit, hopefully. Um, welcomed in or asked to come in and welcome in Craig Gottwalls, who you've heard over the years on the Armstrong and Getty show, as we always refer to as the Obamacare lawyer. He is an expert in health care and his job is telling clients, telling businesses where health care is going so that they can plan uh, accordingly and, um, you know, do the right thing financially. And the key to this whole thing is and welcome to the show, Craig. Uh, thank you. Um, just so people know, while I know you do have political leanings and I know what they are, for the business of analyzing health care, 
Your clients want to know what is. Your your opinion doesn't matter. Yeah, in that's, fact, your opinion could cost you your job. I would imagine. That's right. I I keep it out of this as much as possible right. because I have I have clients that just need to know what's going to happen next year and in the next five years. Sure, and, and so whether it's a good thing or whether it's a good thing or a bad thing in your mind doesn't make any difference. They just want to know how to prepare, or in their mind, for that matter, they just want to know how to prepare financially for healthcare. Is there like a a, a phrase? Or a word or a, or a feeling that you could say is the general direction we're going with healthcare in this country? Is this like my positive Sean one word assessment yeah. of healthcare? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, first off, I'm a little troubled by uh, the brown unidentifiable smegma on Joe's microphone here. Oh. Joe. <laughs> that's <laughs> I don't gross. know if that's from you, Joe, or if that's from somebody that's been using this, but... Uh, Oh, yeah, I don't know what that is either. Let's take, let's take. <laughs> that's, that's disgusting. That'll, that'll, that'll take your focus away. Um, <laughs> uh, healthcare, I, I would just say it's a, it's a, it's a slow, slow march toward more govern, governmentization and um, longer wait times and, and poorer care. I, I know that's not a great way to start them. Good morning, everybody, but... It's just the trend, you know. We we want wow. More. So let's let's slow down right there. So yeah. the trend you think is longer wait times and not as good care for healthcare. And then how about the price? Though well, and, and the and the price is 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 going to increase as fast as anything out. You know, the listeners' lives. There's there's two things that the only two things that I can think of that increase faster than healthcare and price, and that's your 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 utility bill or college tuition. After that, healthcare is going to march forward, according to the government. So, according to the most conservative examples, six um, percent per year over the next ten years at just per year inflation. So, it, the cost is going to keep. Now, prior to two thousand eight, when when we had a really bad spiral in healthcare, we went through like a ten year period where it was going up ten to twelve percent per year. Okay, so would that? Um would that lead me to believe that Obamacare was a good thing, that it slowed that down? Not necessarily. Um, there are a couple of things that Obamacare did that might have helped in that area, but overwhelmingly, I, I don't. I think it's it's really not an effect on that. It's just it's more of overall market forces that have occurred. Um, primarily, the biggest thing that's pushed healthcare inflation down, if you will, it's hard to say down when you're talking about one of the third most expensive things we buy. Um, it's just been that businesses and individuals simply can't afford it anymore. So we've had to get into more draconian ways to keep the inflation down, like keeping doctor lists shorter, keeping mm-hmm. cheaper networks. I mean, it's not an improvement, but it does drive costs down a little bit. When you when you go out and you say, my health plan only has the bottom 50% of doctors, according to price, available to you. But like, I think a lot of us have just gotten used to the um, deductible that we now have. But it didn't used to be that way. I mean, it's just insane what my deductible is for my family. No, deductibles, like the average, Just I was just looking at a study on this recently, the average deductible was right around $300 per family 10 years ago. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen to that. The yeah. average deductible for a family was $300 10 years ago. Yes. That's unbelievable. Yes, and now we're we're well over fifteen hundred for that right. same average. Right, and well, mine's much higher than that for whatever reason. Holy crap. And yeah. you don't see that changing anytime soon. No, no, no. That's going to get worse. That's going to get higher. I mean, that's part of part of what the, the Patient Protection Affordable Care Act, P- PIPACA or Obamacare did was to 
sort of legalize and kind of normalize some of these really high deductibles. And so that's that's part of where you say, where did Obamacare decrease costs? I say, well, that's part. You know, it, it, it really embraced sort of reducing doctor networks to get out. The, the most expensive doctors are removed from the panel. And it um, normalized deductibles that are up to six, seven thousand dollars per individual, or up to thirteen thousand dollars per family. That's 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 a lawful deductible, and it's a very common one out there in Obamacare. Well, in the biggest state in the country, California, that often um, you know is the indicator where the whole country is going. Gavin Newsom and others have talked about you know some sort of universal health care. The state just covers everything, and you go in for free. I'm using my finger quotes. You go in for free, including if you're illegal. Um, if you're not even a citizen, uh, you see that happening. Well, and, and, would that, and how and would that work? I think I know the answer. To that. Yeah. Well, okay. So the, the the trends that you asked me to talk about at the very beginning, the fact that we're going to have longer wait times, poorer care, more government and healthcare, um, that's a perfect example of it, right? So California sort of leads the nation in some of these areas, and one of the things that is a, a big push in California right now is to get some sort of health care for all out there and and all in California's definition meanings anybody living within its borders you know whether they're here lawfully or not so if you have a system that's stressed if you have doctors that are leaving the system because they cannot handle the bureaucratization of it and they're burning out at record numbers and you have wait times that are already longer than we've ever had in our lives and you go ahead and add a couple of million more people just into one state as an example you're going to have you know longer wait times, more burnout, less quality care. Well, for people listening in other states, what, what I don't get about this this idea for California, if, if it would happen, is um, like I've got a uh, my youngest kid's got got health problems and it's pretty expensive, and uh, luckily I'm in a position where I can afford it. But if I if I wasn't and I live in Montana or whatever, I'd say, honey, we got to move to California so that we get this taken care of for free. Using my finger quotes again. How does how do we not end up with every cancer patient and an autistic kid in the country uh, moving to California and throwing the whole system out of whack? Wouldn't well, that just happen over time? It would, and and we we actually see this. Um, uh, California has a, a state right that we created in the 1970s for children with developmental disabilities other than autism. Autism was too big; we couldn't do it. But it's called the Lanterman Act, and what the Lanterman Act means is that if you if you move to California, you have the right to California state-supported government assistance for your child or your adult child with developmental disabilities. Didn't know that. So we we regularly do get uh, people that move here from other states just to get that access to that care that they need and it's it's a wonderful impetus but it's expensive i mean it's part of why california is one of the most expensive oh, states in the country a, a lot of these things are very nice and they sound very nice and i can understand why someone wouldn't want to take advantage of it i can understand why you'd want to move to a state that's going to cover you know your cancer treatments if it's going to bankrupt you but i don't see how it works for that state and the taxpayers that's right it, it only works for the state as long as it works for the state and that's a simple answer but it's to say look i mean you know uh, the west coast of, and california in particular tends to have really nice weather, and a lot of things that really attract people, it also has some of the highest taxes. So those taxes will have to go up, and there will be a tipping point where we start to see people leaving the state and a a budget deficit that will force cuts. It will force broccoli eating, if you will, in Joe's vernacular, in memory of Joe. Right. Um, which has an effect on the whole country. In memory of. In memory of. Yeah, yeah, wow. Craig (laughs) just killed off Joe. After seeing the brown stuff on his mic, I'm not sure he could be alive. (laughs) Craig just killed off Joe. Joe's not dead. He got a hip replacement. I talked to him last night. He's fine. Um, but he was tweeting at 1.30 this morning. Oh, was he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Once again, middle of the night, Oxycontin Hayes tweeting. 
You probably said some reprehensible things. I'll have to take a look at that. But Craig is going to stick around because we're going to get into uh, some more details on this coming up, including we have to be reminded about how much government health care there already is, which I didn't know until Craig explained that to us. It's really interesting. Marshall's News on the way. The Wall Brawl and the fallout from that. All coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. of the Armstrong and Getty show know him as Craig Gottwalls, our Obamacare lawyer, and he's assembled the Armstrong and Getty Ultimate State Freedom Rankings, among things we're going to talk about coming up in a little bit on the show. Delaware, where do you rank? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Hilarious. Uh, Stay tuned right now. The news with Marsha Phillips. President Trump using the deadly shooting in France yesterday to again call for a wall on the border with Mexico. Trump tweeting this morning another very bad terror attack in France. We are going to strengthen our borders even more. Chuck and Nancy must give us the votes to get additional border security. In that attack, three people were killed, a dozen wounded, when a man reportedly shouting Aliwa Akbar opened fire near a Christmas market in the French city of Strasbourg. Boy, so they've had rioting for five weeks and now this. That's, yes. uh, that's quite the deal. Yeah, he is still on the run. Police know who he is. Meanwhile, during the extraordinary Oval Office wall brawl over money for the president's long-promised border wall, Trump got into it with Democrat leaders Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, at one point saying, yes, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck, because the people of this country don't want criminals and people that have lots of problems and drugs pouring into our country. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. The last time you shut it down, it didn't work. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. During the more than 15-minute-long session, Pelosi and Schumer repeatedly asked that they speak privately, but Trump said no. It was fine Which the I way thought it was. was a terrible look. How can you possibly argue for less transparency when you're the incoming Speaker of the House? We should have this conversation behind closed doors, away from the cameras. Who thinks that plays well? Well, apparently she did. Especially when it seems like one of the Democrats' favorite tools is Donald Trump off script in front of an open mic. That's that's where you're mining for, for campaign footage material. Uh, for, for your next round of ad cycles, when you get him in those kind of off-cuff scripts. So to, to right. get him behind closed doors where there isn't the viral potential of these things going out seems well, uh, like a misstep on a lot of different ways. And especially if you believe in your argument. I think Trump is pretty comfortable with his argument. First of all, it's right there in the Constitution. I mean, one of your top requirements for, a, for the federal government is to secure the borders. So while some people were howling... It shows his lack of respect for the government that he's willing to shut it down. Or you could look at it this way. He understands that one of the absolute top couple primary needs of the U.S. government is to secure our borders. And if you're not going to do that, what's the point? I think he's in pretty firm ground on that. And we'll see how that plays out over time. Well, after the three finally met privately, Trump came out of that meeting later telling reporters... I have to say, I thought it was a very good meeting. When you left, when the press left, uh, we had a fairly long meeting, and we really discussed a lot of great subjects. There you go. Great meeting. The whole the whole Vice President Pence sitting there. Yes. Should I jump in at some point, or yes. should I just sit here? Was a little bit weird. Um, also, the whole government shutdown thing, I think, is a is is a DC thing. I think there's a a folklore around it and a myth around it that's just not true. That. Um, Republicans normally get blamed, or whoever gets blamed really suffers. 
major shutdown, I'll have to look it up, was it 12 or 14 when we had the uh, big shutdown? And uh, the Republicans so-called got blamed for it in the polls, then had an outstanding midterm election. One of the best in a hundred years as a result of the shutdown. I think you often get rewarded for a shutdown of the government. Only the people in D.C. are all up in arms about that. Former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen is going to be finding out this morning how much time he's going to do behind bars. Sentencing guidelines call for four to five years despite his lawyer's calls for leniency. It doesn't look like it's going to go toward leniency. Federal so, so. Federal prosecutor. Federal prosecutor. the judge. Federal prosecutor. Okay. <laughs> Federal prosecutors say Cohen deserves a stiff sentence because he wasn't as forthcoming as he could have been. So, so. the judge. Okay. Sentences. Sentencing is uh, scheduled for 8 o'clock this morning, West Coast time. And we got a federal judge ordering porn star Stormy Daniels to pay President Trump nearly $300,000 for his legal fees. Yikes. As well as another grand in sanctions over a defamation suit she filed against Trump that was dismissed. I'm guessing she doesn't have $300,000 laying around. She's going to have to uh, go shake it at her current age in front of a... A dozen sad people in some small town strip club. Meanwhile, her attorney, Michael Avenatti, said. To some Def Leppard songs. <laughs> Michael Avenatti. <laughs> what a vision. Michael Avenatti <laughs> said yesterday's order wouldn't hold up on appeal and predicted Stormy Daniels will never have to pay Trump anything. Hmm. Avenatti and Stormy back together again. Remembering things can really be challenging. We all know that, but there is an easy way to try to get important facts to stick. Draw a picture. University <laughs> not going to happen. University <laughs> of researchers have found drawing works your brain in ways that writing alone does not. It forces it to process visual information, translate the word into an image, and carry out a physical act all at okay, once. Okay, but apply this. Show me how I would use this to remember something. Like, I have trouble remembering the password to my bank account. How do I draw a picture that helps me remember that? Well, perhaps you could draw a picture using the numbers to your bank account. Well, perhaps I could. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just relaying what the University of Waterloo researchers said. If I wanted to remember the fact of how, how many miles it is to the moon... <laughs> Do I just draw a picture and then write the number of miles on there? That's just me writing it down. 186,000. Somebody look that up. How many miles is it to the moon? That's my guess. Anyway, of course, that varies quite a bit. Depends on the time of year. Anyway, older adults are thought to have the most to gain from using this method. Also, it is notable that you don't have to be good at drawing to benefit. I don't know where that came from. 238,000. Yeah, I wonder if that's the average. I think it varies. Yeah, it gets closer and further away. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's an average. All righty, there you go. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips. The Armstrong and Getty Show, The Conscience of the Nation. Here you go, Squawky. Write it down. So, uh, yeah, that's a, a bald eagle we have chained in the studio to symbolize freedom. Um, Craig Gottwald's the Obamacare lawyer, coming up in just a few minutes. Back into that with his ultimate state freedom rankings and a little more about where health care is going. The surprise stat that we need to repeat every time he's on. How much the government already is in our health care, for those of us who uh, think that that's, uh, you know, not the right direction to go. Stay tuned for all that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So I think we got something way wrong on the Google searches yesterday, according to somebody that knows a lot about search engines, and we're going to talk about that later. And Sean did some more Googling around and image searches and stuff. So I want to get into that as Google was on the hot seat yesterday in front of Congress. Who got it wrong? Was it me? I need names. Did I get it wrong? Mm, I'll take full responsibility. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, so Craig Gottwalls joins us, our Obamacare lawyer. We've called him over the years. He's an expert in health care and costs and all that sort of stuff. Uh, a couple of things I want to jam in here before you have to run. Um, people like me don't want government-run health care because I believe it's going to end up looking like the DMV or the VA system, and uh, and I don't know how it wouldn't. I mean, I can't, I can't, I've never heard a credible argument for how we don't end up looking like that. But anyway, how much government health care do we already have? Yeah, this statistic surprises everybody, and it comes from places like the UCLA Institute on Health. I mean, this is not a politically slanted statistic. So when you add together... Medicare, which is for oldsters, Medicaid, which is for low income, now the Obamacare subsidies, you add together the VA, you add together TRICARE, which is how we cover uh, people active in the military and their families, and then you add together one other statistic that bumps it up, and that's all the people that work for the government, right, because taxpayers are paying that bill as well. Mm. All that adds together nationally as 64% of all health care dollars come from the taxpayer. So we're already two-thirds of the way there. We're already two-thirds of the way there. And if you look at the, you say, well, what's the highest state? Well, once again, of course, the highest state happens to be California. That's 70%. And the best projection I've seen says this will be 67 to 68% 10 years out. I mean, the march just continues. Now, one other statistic on that that I haven't shared with you before. When you add together what that raw dollar amount is per person, per taxpayer, it is more than most of the socialized countries in the world. So we already pay more. So this would be, this is an argument by some for going full-on government health care is that we're getting the worst of both worlds. It is. It is. And, and one thing that people never talk about in this, you know, I teach classes on, on, on health care at, at, at universities. And one of the things that I always start with on the students is, hey, why do we spend so much on health care, guys? Is, is this going to be on the test? <laughs> yes, it is, Sean. Take notes. <laughs> I want to make sure people understand, because we can. We are the richest country on the planet, and we can. We spend the most on research and development and patenting new designs and products because we can. Now, you go full socialized, you take the profit motive out of a lot of that work, and you bring costs way down. There's no doubt about it. Canada rides on our coattails in a lot of sense. Not just Canada, but all the other socialized countries. There wouldn't be a man in Canada could get an erection if we hadn't done the research (laughs) and development. Bring the blue pill. Um... So that's the way. Okay. So that's one topic you put together because you, you sent this to me the other day, and I want to make sure we have time for this. You, you call it the Armstrong and Getty Ultimate State Freedom Rankings. How did you put the, this together and why? Well, you know, I, I've heard you and Joe over the years talking about um, all of the, the subjective, sort of um, uh, fluffy stuff that goes into these state rankings. Of, you know, like you mentioned, recycling centers in every state and weather, which is very subjective. Yeah, if you hear a list on the radio or TV and says the five best places to live, and then they rank them, and you think, oh, that's interesting. If you look at the criteria, sometimes it includes how many places in town you can plug in your electric car or uh, other crap I don't care about. Well, if you guys don't like mailbox murals, then I guess we're just different people. <laughs> <laughs> this this list may not be for Sean. Um, so what I wanted to do was put together what I thought was the most objective Armstrong and Getty driven criteria list I could find. So I took what I think are probably the four most reputable state ranking lists, and it, it, it helps to understand what they are. One of them is the Cato Freedom Ranking of 2018, which is 
a really cool one for people that want to go look at it because you can actually in that one customize what matters to you more. Like, for example, um, does uh, open marriage policies and marijuana law, does that matter to you more than taxes, for example? Gotcha. And you can actually customize that one. But that's a, that's just purely on how free an individual is in a state. Even more impressive when you realize that Cato does all of their research in the pool house outside of OJ's place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's Sorry, with, with a funny accent. Cato Kalen jokes. What yeah. it is. Um, the second criteria is the Mercatus, Institu- Mercatus Institute at George uh, Mason University. That's looking just at the fiscal condition of a state. So how, how likely your state is able to pay its bills. The third criteria is the Tax Foundation's ranking of states on business friendliness. So looking primarily at tax policy. And then the last one is the Kiplinger State-by-State Guide to Personal Tax Friendliness for an Individual. Hmm. So again, mostly looking at income tax, but of course, sale and property tax are factored in. So to make it as neutral as I could, I just took those four rankings, I put them into one spreadsheet, I tallied them up and averaged the state ranking going across the board per state. I know you call this your Mona Lisa. This is my Mona Lisa. This is my Armstrong and Getty Mona Lisa, because this is going to help determine where we live someday, Jack. So people always like like the top five and bottom five. Tell us that. Yeah, so let's start with the bottom five. Um, least free? Least free, yeah. And we'll go from uh, we'll go from 46th to 50th, so the best of the, 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 before you get down to the bottom. So 46th is Vermont. Uh, 47th, Connecticut. 48th, uh, a place where you have a strong presence, California. Go figure. 49th, New York. And the least free state, when you cobble all of this together, New Jersey. I knew it. So uh, the two biggest blue states in the country are at the uh, the bottom of that list, New York and California. Boy, yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, and it depends on what you prioritize. Obviously, that's uh, right. But uh, okay, that's 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 interesting stuff right there. So let's get to the top, the freest top five. So we'll start with number five, a state you hear about because they had the Free State Project, where a bunch of libertarians moved there in an effort to make this state more free, and that's New Hampshire. Right next door to Vermont. Right next door to Vermont, which is way, way down the list yeah, as we just talked something. about. Yeah, and it's the hmm. only state, interestingly enough, when you look at the top ten, you get down to 11th before you find another eastern state. That's interesting on its own. I don't want to get bogged down on that, but I yeah. wonder how much moving there is across state lines. Because, you know, if you've ever driven around there, they're tiny states. Yes. Tiny states right next door to each other, and one is like high-tax, little personal freedom, and the other is the exact opposite, right next door. Same people... Grew up in the same part of the country, same weather, same... It's really interesting. Yeah. Number four, uh, the the topic, the state topic with uh, much of Sean's favorite television shows, Alaska. <laughs> Number three, uh, right next door to uh, where we happen to be sitting, Nevada. Number two, North Dakota. And number one, ah, oh, there's another free state, Florida, another eastern state that I missed. Interesting. Yeah. So... Um, you know, there, there is going to be a future iteration of this ranking that I will share with Armstrong and Getty. Uh, we're going to look at um, the affordable, affordability in each state. We're going to look at retirement friendliness in each state. And then um, it's been suggested to me that we should probably look at whether that state is trending more blue or more red under the ideology that more blue means more government, more regulation. and could take Generally state, means higher taxes. Right. And could take a state like Nevada that's sitting in third and, and maybe make their future less bright. Because a lot of people think Nevada will ultimately have to have a uh, personal income tax. So whether a state is... Um, um, you know, going to be able to stay solvent is an interesting one because you you definitely care when you live in the state, but the difference between that and a country is 
things go south, you can just step across the border and it's not your problem anymore. That's right. And, it, and if you're looking to at a, at a ranking like this to determine where you want to live, it kind of depends on where you are in life. Do you have 20 or 30 right. years left? Or that's, that's one thing. If you have 60 years left, you probably don't want to be in one of those states. Joe and I often wonder who's going to, which state is going to go bankrupt first, Illinois or California, and and will the rest of the country bail that state out? My guess has always been is that the first state to go bankrupt gets bailed out because everybody will feel sorry for it. The right. second one, everybody's going to say, no, wait a second. Yes. And the second one's going to be screwed. I think that's exactly right. <laughs> I, I don't see that ever happening twice. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be like the big bailout. Anything you want to uh, hit us with before uh, before you got to leave? Thanks for bringing the donuts, by the way. That's just what I need this time of year. Speaking of health care costs. I've thrown, <laughs> I've thrown off all sensible responsibility for eating for some reason. I mean, I've just completely, like, checked out. of. It. I'm like a child at this point. It's the time of year. It's the time of year, and it's amazing. The more you talk about it on the radio and hanging out with you on the boat, I realize... I've started to do that, too, more, I'm just and a, I think I'm going to blame you for it. I'm just a Packing weak on the person. winter weight, that's all. God, it's, it's interesting. Um, habits and willpower, it, it's, it's almost like a dam bursting. You can have willpower for a while, and then it, it gets a little crack, and then if you indulge that crack in your yeah. willpower, it's just on. And it, and it, it totally <laughs> that's my sweet spot. It totally spills over. It spills over into every aspect of life. Yeah. If, you're, if you're dealing with challenges at work and challenges at home, the willpower to eat well just goes right out the window for me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a reservoir that you can call upon, and if you're using too much of it at home, you're not going to use it on the diet. Yeah, and there's some psychological belief in that in that very idea right there. If you're using too, you, you, all your willpower in your other areas, it's hard to apply it here. Anyway, right. that's good stuff. Do you want people to go to a website or anything to get this information? Or are you hiding it for yourself so you can sell it? Or what are you going to do? <laughs> no, you can always you can always Google my name is the easiest way, Craig Gottwalls, or just hit Benefit Revolution. That you Google Benefit Revolution, my website comes up. That's me. It's the easiest way to find me. Let's absolutely make we make sure we've got a good, clear link of that at armstrongandgetty.com so people can find it. Really appreciate you coming in. Uh, when when Craig said earlier in honor of Joe, Joe is not dead. <laughs> no, he's not. He's it's not. Just, it feels like he is without him here. Actually, he's perfectly fine. I think he's calling in in a couple of minutes. So. Outstanding. Bye, Thanks. Joe. Miss you. Craig Gottwalls, the Obamacare lawyer. Thanks for coming in. Uh, we got the Google thing wrong. We're going to straighten that out coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.